Hello and welcome to another edition of Eric the Rev Podcast. I am your host, Eric the Rev, coming at you today. And uh, I wanted to talk about something that's happening in our culture today. And before I start, I'd like to read Romans 12, 19 through 21. And St. Paul writes to us by saying, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with good. You know, what is happening in our culture today? I hear that question asked by many of my parishioners. Uh, I myself have asked it from time to time. Every day we hear more and more violence, more mass shootings, rapes, road rage, murders of all kind. Evil abounds, and you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. Indeed, it always has. These things have always been with us, and they will always be with us until the second coming of Christ. However, apparently due to media attention, it seems to be ramping up in violence, doesn't it? When I was back in Chicagoland for vacation, the mass shooting in Highland Park made national headlines, and I had many folks from Lamb of God emailing me and texting me to see if Jen and I were okay, and we were fine. We were more than an hour, hour and a half away from the shooting. However, this place, this took place not in the ghetto, not in a poor neighborhood, but in an affluent suburb. And this kind of activity also appears to be on the rise. In fact, just last Thursday, there was a shooting in the Old River Road community here in Slidell. Jen and I were just leaving a lunch visit with some of our members when we noticed police scouring the roadside ditches looking for what appeared to be a gun thrown out of the window of a car that was trying to get away. This shooting happened not in a ghetto area, but in an affluent subdivision where many of our own members live. In fact, just this last Sunday, Jen, I, Jen and I experienced a bit of fear as we were turning into the church parking lot. A dark green GMC Sierra followed us, riding my tail all the way from I-10 down Allen Road and followed us right into the church parking lot. He apparently noticed that he had followed me into a church parking lot, noticed his surroundings, and made a slow turnaround in our lot and left. Who knows what this guy wanted? I didn't cut him off. And yet he rode my butt all the way to the church like he was angry about something. Who knows? I felt that the Lord delivered us from evil that day. I just read that members of Congress and the Supreme Court are being given an additional $10,000 allowance for security systems for their private homes due to a gross increase in death threats for both sides of the aisle. The article said that America is now entering a new dangerous era of political violence. I have also read that folks all around the country are crying out for a permanent division that red states need to break away from the blue states, that there is an intolerance of political ideologies all over the place. We hear about bullying on social media, intolerance of everything and everyone who disagrees with us, 
and the urge for revenge is palpable in today's hypersensitive culture. Fear is indeed everywhere. The temptation of our human nature is to retaliate. It is to get revenge, or it is to go to the opposite extreme and close ourselves off, to sequester ourselves from the evil world that is around us. Well, my friends, neither is a viable option for the Christian. In Paul's day, Christianity was a hunted and hated, reviled minority. Believers were being jailed for being a part of an outlaw cult. You see, Christianity was not recognized as a legal religion by Rome. Jewish leaders were actively seeking the arrest and even the death of Christians. Paul himself was one such persecutor of the faith. He knew firsthand. He had legal documents granting him the authority from the Sanhedrin to arrest and to bring back to Jerusalem in chains those who claimed to be Christian. And we all know what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus, don't we? To fulfill that charge given him by the Sanhedrin. The risen Lord Jesus Christ literally knocked him off that self-righteous high horse that he was on, and he called him to be an apostle. We see that in Acts 9. So how are we Christians, the disciples of Jesus Christ? How are we to respond during these challenging times? Again, let's read Romans 12, 19 through 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with good. The Christian is never, capitalized, never, to avenge themselves or to retaliate in any fashion. It is God's job alone to avenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So what are we to do? Well, Paul tells us we are to love all people no matter what. The Lord have mercy on us. That is a very tall order, isn't it? That goes against every fiber that is in our fallen human being. Instead of revenge, Paul teaches us to give our enemies to eat if they're hungry and give them something to drink if they're thirsty. He is telling us to love and serve them even if they desire to kill us. I do believe that this is abhorrent to our fallen sinful nature. It doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? Why would we love and serve those who wish to kill us, harm us in any way, eradicate the faith from our society? Does it not make much more sense to retaliate? And yet, what does this achieve? It achieves nothing but more hatred, more violence, more intolerance. It is meeting people on Satan's battlefield of choice. Satan alone is laughing and spreading his wings wide as we play right into his evil game. Now, what does Paul say is the outcome of doing good to those who wish us evil. He says it is like leap, heaping burning coals upon their head. Why? Because our good will be plainly seen by all, and their evil will stand out even the greater. 
Our good works as a fruit of faith will stoke the fires of hell, but not in the manner or intention our sinful nature desires. It will fulfill the purpose for which God intends and allows him room for vengeance. Jesus said Satan cannot cast out Satan, nor can a house divided stand. He says this in Matthew 12, 26. One cannot cast out evil with evil. Darkness can never overcome darkness. Only the light of Jesus Christ can cast out evil and bring it to the judgment for which it is destined. St. Paul encourages us not to be overcome by evil. And yet this is the very temptation that overwhelms many of us these days, isn't it? We become overwhelmed by evil, so we want to turn to politics. We want to create a national Christian coalition to help defend us and our values. We want legislation against those who hate us. We want to see them put in their place once and for all. And yet it is not ours to put them in their place. God the Father, through Jesus his Son alone, has that ultimate authority. We do not create a theocracy for ourselves. Our God is big enough to defend himself. He doesn't need our feeble attempts at defense of him. We don't retaliate by fighting persecution with persecution. Pagan religions do that. Just look to the Middle East and see the havoc that is wreaked by theocracy. That is never, ever to be the way of the Christian. Now the next chapter of Romans, Romans 13, says to obey and submit to the governing authorities in all things. For the government does not bear the sword in vain for those who break the law, as it says in Romans 13, 4. So now let us read chapter 13 in light of what we just heard chapter 12 talking about. First, is submission to the authorities. St. Paul writes to us by saying, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and, the, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers... Uh, for rulers are not a terror to those who do good conduct, but only to those who do the bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? And I tell you, do what is good. And you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain for those who break the law. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owned. Revenue to whom revenue is owned. And respect to whom respect is owned. And honor to him who honor is owed. Oh, and now that we're getting into the next segment, fulfilling the law through love, not hate. Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
For the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you shall not covet, which is idolatry. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep, for salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify your desires. So now think on this. St. Paul wrote these words to people who were being persecuted, who were being killed on account of their faith in Jesus Christ. And he is writing to a church that was despised as weird and rebel. They all knew, all those early believers knew what true persecution was really all about. Still, St. Paul exhorts them to a life of love, service, and obedience, even in the face of hatred and evil. In the eyes of this world, they had every right to rebel and lash out in anger. But this is not the way of Christ and his church. Love. This is one of the many traits that separates true Christianity from all other false religions. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. John 13, 35. Do you see and hear what God is saying to us through this scripture? We don't rebel. We do not seek revenge. We do not put our trust in princes or in a son of man who cannot save and has no hope. We do not trust politics. We do not seek revenge. We don't lash out in anger. We don't persecute those who persecute us. To do so is directly contrary to the life of discipleship in Jesus Christ. It goes against everything that Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says this in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. We are called to be different, to make a difference in this world, not to blend in with the rest of this fallen world from which we have been called out from. If we do, we lose our saltiness. If we do, we hide the light of Christ under a bushel in the dark. Instead, we are to shine forth in love and service for all people so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16. Right now, Today, right now in the midst of all this fear, violence, cultural upheaval, and evil, the people of God and Jesus Christ should be shining brightly. In fact, we should be the calmest ones in the room. For we know that we have the ultimate victory of eternal life in Jesus' death and resurrection. We are but strangers here in this world. Our true citizenship is not in the United States of America. Our true citizenship is in heaven and in heaven alone. 
This is the eternal perspective we have been given by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The rest of this world has absolutely no clue of this victory or perspective. Only we who are enlightened by and through the Holy Spirit, working through the means of grace, of word and sacrament, possess this eternal perspective. That is why Jesus sends us forth, you and I, as salt and light of the world, to share his gospel with all people, especially those who hate us, for they, more than most, need to hear this saving message. It is only through the gospel that hearts and minds are changed. It is never through the law. It is only the Holy Spirit working through the effective means of his own word that he alone changes hearts and minds. Never us. Jesus tells us not to fear the one who could only kill the body but cannot harm the soul. Instead, we should fear the one who could destroy both the body and the soul together in hell. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus mentions this. The Father alone has that grave authority, and he will exercise his vengeance upon the wicked through Jesus Christ, who will return to judge both the living and the dead. This is the message of the book of Revelation. This is the message of all of Scripture. For we are freely justified by grace through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, not in boasting works, nor in self-righteous anger, nor in vengeance. My brothers and my sisters, I say these things to implore all of us to follow the words of Scripture that St. Paul uttered and write in Scripture. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For we have been given a spirit not of timidity or fear, but a power of love and of self-discipline. That is the life of discipleship summed up. That is the fulfillment of the new command of love that Jesus gives us in John 13, 34 through 35. And a new command I give you to love one another as I have loved you. All of you must love one another as I have loved you. And all people will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Not by our hatred, not by our anger, not by our arrogance, not by our political affiliation, but by our love for one another. And then this leads to the lasting and sublime peace that Jesus gives us in John 14, 27. My peace I give you, my peace I leave you. I do not give as the world gives. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and be not afraid. That is the peace that far surpasses all understanding in this fallen world of death. Amen. <laughs>